Father, uh, what we do lift up this time. Thank you, God, that, uh, Lord, we can just gather together. And, Lord, we can lift up our hearts and, and uh, worship with songs. And, Lord, we want to lift up our hearts in, in worshiping your word. We pray that today as we look at this, uh, this short little letter that it's kind of a real personal thing, Lord, that it would affect us. God, I know that I know you want to you wanna reach every single one of us. I know your desire is to mold us and shape us and change us. And I believe most of us came here looking for that same thing. So, Lord, have your way in us today. We want, God, we want to leave here knowing that we've spent time with our God, knowing that our God is involved in our lives. So bless this time and open us up to receive what you have for us individually, what you have for us corporately. And Lord, we look forward to what's gonna happen as we, as we study this, uh, your word this morning. So bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we looked at 2 John uh, last, uh, well, two weeks ago, and now we're in 3 John. And again, short letters, right? Not real long they're short, but they're powerful. And the thing that I find kind of interesting is 2 John and 3 John are kind of dealing with the same thing, but from two different angles. 2 John was dealing with being careful on who you entertain and who you allow in and, and how you handle that. And there was some caution there. Now, 3 John is all about allowing people to come in and, and taking care of people and, and, and ministering to them. And so in this, in this time, we're gonna look at Three different people, and it's interesting. This is written to a specific individual we're gonna see in a minute, but we're gonna look at three different individuals, a guy named Gaius, a guy named Diotrephes, and a guy named Demetrius. And all three of them are a witness for Jesus. Two of them are a good witness, and one of them is a bad witness. And so here's what we need to understand. We are witnessing for Jesus no matter what we do. Are you witnessing good or are you witnessing bad? That's what we need to evaluate in our lives and look at in our lives and figure out. So three different guys kind of studying them, looking at them, and hopefully we will learn that we want to mimic two of them and stay away from one of them, right? One guy we want to like keep over there, like way over there, like in the back room over there. So John's writing to this person that he really loves. Look at, look at how he starts this. The same way he started third, or first John, I mean, I'm sorry, second John. He says the elder, right? Kind of that same thing. What does he mean? He doesn't say an elder, and he doesn't say an apostle. What does he say? The elder. Now, I, listen, I know they knew exactly, they know who he's talking about, and most, of, most everybody knows that, or believes that John wrote this, but he's the elder. He's not... He's the elder in a couple ways. He's a really old dude. So he is an elder. He's, he's like in his 90s. So when you hit 90, you're old, right? Yeah, you can claim that. God bless you. <laughs> Some of these people are looking at me like, I can't believe you just said that. It's okay. So he's the elder that way, but he's also the elder in authority. He's probably by this time the last living apostle. So he's kind of, you know, he's kind of like saying, I'm the man, right? I'm the elder. And then he says this, listen, listen to what he says. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. 
Obviously, this is somebody that John really cares about. Later on, we're gonna find out, I believe it's somebody that John led to the Lord. I believe it's, it's one of the converts from John. And so, listen, man, he is really, he is really close to this guy. He calls him beloved. And that's a good thing. And then, by name, obviously, Gaius. Now, what I find kind of interesting when you start studying is how many people try and figure out who's he talking about? What Gaius is he talking about? There's three different Gaiuses mentioned in Scripture. There's one in Acts. I'm not going to tell you where, so read the book of Acts for homework. One in Romans. Not going to tell you where, so read the book of Romans. And one in 1 Corinthians. So you got some homework to do, right? So there's three different ones, and people want to say, which one of those three is it? I'm not even sure it's one of those three. We don't know. And I found out that was a really common name in that century in that culture. So it's not, it's, it wouldn't be unusual that it's a whole different one, not even one of those three. Now, obviously, John knew who he was writing to. Gaius knew who he was writing to because he's Gaius, right? So I'm not sure we need to try and figure that out, but we do know that John was close to him, and then here's what else we know, that John loved him in truth. I have found in my relationships that when you're close to somebody in truth, that doesn't change. Your relationship doesn't change because it's based on truth. When you're close to somebody by circumstances or you know, by experience, that can change, that can, that can vacillate. But when you're close to them in the truth, the truth doesn't change. And so therefore you have that lasting, that lasting relationship. And that's what John is talking about. So, so he has this lasting relationship with this guy. So John's writing. He's writing to a guy named Gaius. And then he says this about him. In verse 2, he says, beloved. So you kind of get the idea again, that closeness. He's going to say it two or three more times. He says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So John's opening up, and I don't think this is a, just a common greeting. I think John's sincere. He's praying for this guy. And he's praying that he would prosper, I think, physically, materially. And he's praying that he would be in good health. Now, what's kind of sad is some people that have that doctrine that everybody should be healthy and wealthy, they kind of take this verse and they like rip it out of context and they start proclaiming it for everybody. I kind of get that because... Let's think about this. When you pray for somebody, what do you generally pray for? You pray for them to be well, and you pray for them to do well, right? I mean, you very rarely do you pray for somebody to get sick, right? I mean, do you, do you ever say, oh, Lord, make them really sick? Very rarely do you pray that God would make somebody really poor, right? Are you get my point? What do we usually pray we usually pray positive things for people, right? Because, because we want good things for one another. And that's all John's doing here. And it kind of it cracks me up where some people want to, number one, put this down, or other people want to take it out of context. That's a very common thing. When somebody goes on a trip, what do we generally pray when they go on a trip? Lord, keep them safe and bring them home safe. We very rarely say, have them wreck. Right? So think about, think about all John is doing. But it's a good thing, right? And I like the way he prays. He prays this. He says, man, listen, I want you to prosper. When I pray for people, I want them to prosper. 
I want them to prosper in every way possible. I want them to prosper material. I want them to prosper uh, physically, obviously, and, and spiritually. So that's all John is saying. So he cares about this guy. That's his prayer for him. And then he says this in verse 3. He says, for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. So he's saying, listen, man, people are coming. He says, hey, the brethren come and here's what they tell me, that you're living, you don't, you don't just say you believe the truth, you're living the truth, you're walking in the truth, it's part of your life. And I think that's important, listen, I believe we're gonna live what we believe. And here's what he's saying, it's coming across, man, it's coming across, your relationship with the Lord is coming across to the brethren. And from that, here's what I'm gathering. These are itinerant preachers. These are itinerant missionaries who are going around, and they've come back, and they've reported to John. Man, I went to Gaius. I'm not sure where Gaius is at. I'm not sure physically where he's at. But they came back, and they said, hey, here's what happened when we ran into this guy. This guy loves the truth, and it's evidenced by the way he lives his life and the way he treats other people. So that's a good thing, right? That's a positive thing that he's saying about him. And then he says, listen, I have no greater joy than to hear, in verse four, to hear that my children walk in the truth. This is where I get, it's one of his converts, right? John's calling him one of his children. It's somebody that John probably led to the Lord, and he goes, there's no greater thing than to hear that he's walking in truth. And Hey, every pastor would say that. There's nothing greater than, than to hear that the people that we get to minister to and share with, that they're walking in truth. That's great. So John is like, yes, this is the guy. So I'm thinking, just as I start this, I want to be like Gaius. When I grow up, I want, I want to be like that guy. And I want people to say those kind of things about me and not the negative things and not the ugly things. So listen, man, he lays that out. And then, listen, then he says this. I, I love verse five. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren. Here's my interpretation of that. Whatever Gaius does, he goes all the way. Right, when he does it, this is a guy who's all in when he gets involved in something. You know, some of us are that way. Some of us, I think I'm wired that way. When I do something, I'm all in. You know, some people, they like, like stick their, you know, their toe in the pool to see if it's okay. I just jump in. You'll figure it out, right? You go all in and you go, whoa, that was cold. But listen, man, he's all in. And when he does it, he's gonna go all the way. Shouldn't that be how we are? That can get us in trouble. Sometimes, right? I, my wife gets on me all the time. She, Pat, why do you do the things you, like, like food? I don't just take a taste, right? If I'm trying something new, I stick a bunch of it in my face. That's not always wise. We were out one time and we were in Australia and a guy had just gone, gone to Africa. Uh, he was from Africa and he came back and he had some chocolate. And he says, would you like some chocolate? Well, of course. Chocolate's good, right? Yeah. And I said, sure. And he gives me a chunk of chocolate and I shoved the whole thing in my mouth. Major mistake. 
It was like sticking a whole can of cocoa powder in my mouth. And I'm like this. Mmm, so good. Mmm. And Gail goes, why didn't you take a little bite? And I go, well, why would I? It was chocolate. Why wouldn't I shove the whole thing in? I think we should also do that when we're serving the Lord. Let's go all in. Let's don't go part way. Let's not just taste it. And this is Gaius, listen. He says, what you do, you do faithfully. You, when you do it, man, you're going to do it. You're not gonna look back. And what you do, you do faithfully to the brothers. Listen, to, you do faithfully for the brethren and for strangers. Here's, here's the way I interpret this. People would show up at Gaius's place, and it didn't matter. Listen, if he knew you, it was good. If he didn't know you, he's one of those guys. Have you met those people that don't know any strangers? And they're just instantly, man, he's just like taking people in, taking care of them, making sure they're okay. And remember, in that culture, in that culture, you know, hotels, inns weren't necessarily a good thing. We know from, you know, even, even other places in Scripture, we know that the sometimes inns were, were, were some pretty shoddy places to stay. So it was, it was common. You'd bring people in, you'd take care of them, and, and, and you'd, you'd accept them and send them on their way. So that's what Gaius is doing. He's taking care of people. And hey, when people would show up, he would take care of them. And he says, hey, when you do that, you're all in. You go for it. And then he says, listen, he says, whether they're brethren or strangers, verse 6, who have borne witness of your love before the church. So here's what's going on. These guys came back. And they're telling John, man, when you travel, it's a good thing, man. This Gaius takes care of you. And I remember when we were doing some missionary work in, in, in Mexico, uh, the, the one guy that I worked with, Eric Powell, he would, he would say, let's go to new tribes' houses. And now they're called Ethnos 360, but then they were new tribes. I go, why do we want to go to new tribes? Because they're nice. You know, you kind of you get that reputation. Not, not necessarily the house was nice, the people were nice. So listen, you wanna, and, and people get this reputation. That's where you wanna go stay. So what would happen if you were traveling? I think he's in Asia Minor. Hey, if you're in Asia Minor, where do you wanna stay? Let's find Gaius. Gaius is the place to go because he takes care of you and he makes sure you're taken care of. So he says, hey, the brethren testify about that. They let everybody know. And then in verse six, it says, if you send, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well. Here's what I un I'm understanding. This Gaius, this Gaius wasn't necessarily, you know, an officer in a church or, you know, had some special position. He was just in the church. But he did what the church is supposed to do. And here's what's going on. Now Gaius is part of making sure the gospel gets spread throughout the world. Hey, he's not going. He's not going everywhere. He's staying in one place, but he's making sure those who are spreading the gospel are taken care of and able to do the work that they're called to do. That's a good thing. He's part of, listen, he's part of making sure the gospel's getting out, and he says, hey, everybody's talking about it, and he says, when you do that, you do well. Why? Because, verse seven, because they went forth in his name's sake, and, and so they're going forth, and they're going forth in the name of Jesus, and you're sending them forward. And then he says this. He kind of he adds this last little part, and he says, taking nothing from the Gentiles. 
Now, what, what is John, listen, what is John's point here? I believe what John is letting us know is Gaius is involved so that these people can do the work of the ministry and, listen, they're not having to ask the world to support the church. Amen. That's important. I think that's an important thing. I don't think the world should be supporting the church. I think the church should be supporting the church. We should not go to the world and ask them to help us out. We shouldn't be people who we want, expect things from the world, we expect the world to come in and do things, or we expect our finances, or we expect them to you know, finance whatever we're doing. We need to be the church, we need to be taken care of ourselves. And he says, hey, we don't expect it from Gentiles. I know some churches, we don't do an offering here, but I know some churches when they, you know, they do an offering, they say, hey, if you're, if you're visiting or you're not a believer, don't put money in. And uh, you know, I understand that. And we, we just, we don't even let people put money in anytime. So, you know, we make it difficult. People ask me at times, how do you give money to this church? I say, we make it as hard as possible. We have a different way. We have our boxes around that you can put money in. Someone's right now sitting there going, how do you give to this church? So there's some boxes. But, but listen, we should not expect the world to support us. I don't think there's anything worse than when, when, when someone, yeah, you know, you call somebody, hey, can you help us out? No, I don't think they should be helping us out. We should be doing our own thing. So John lays that out, and he says, hey, I'm glad you're doing that. And then he kind of wraps up the thing with Gaius with this. Look at verse eight. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. He's saying, you're an example to us and we need to do that so that we are all involved. Listen, all of us are involved and workers for the truth. All of us are involved in getting the truth out one way or another. We all have different positions, different things, different ways, and God has called us to that. So now we have Gaius, and I'm thinking, that's a good guy. And he did, now, listen, he, to me, he kind of just like shifts gears and changes radically. In verse nine, he says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to, be, who loves to have pre preeminence among them, does not receive us. So here's what's going on. It seems like, Sometime John wrote another letter to, the, to this church that Gaius is part of. I don't know what letter that is. I don't think it's 1 John. I don't think it's 2 John. It's some letter. And when, sometimes when we read that, like Paul has some letters that, that he talks about in Corinthians that, that aren't part of Scripture. And some people say this, oh, we're missing some Scripture. No, we're not missing any Scripture. Our Bible's complete. We have everything that God intended us to have. Listen carefully, not everything Paul wrote was scripture. Not everything John wrote was scripture. Some of it was scripture, and some of it was ordained by God to be scripture, but not everything they wrote. You need to understand, not everything they wrote was supposed to be scripture. So he wrote some letter, it seems like, and it seems like there's this character Diotrephes that didn't want people to read the letter. I don't know what the letter said. We don't know what the letter said, but it says, hey, he got rid of it, why? Because he's somebody, listen, he's somebody who was, bottom line, very narcissistic, very self-centered, and very self-promoting. 
and he wanted preeminence. He wanted everybody to know Diotrephes is in charge. Maybe even he had a position, but he, over, uh, he, he abused that position. He wanted everybody to know, listen, I'm in charge, and I'm the one. So he, whatever, he did the letter. And then it says, listen, not only did he, did he you know, hide the letter, not only did he want preeminence, it says also, he doesn't receive us. Hey, here's what I'm gathering. This guy was not willing to submit to any authority, period. I find it interesting in our century, our culture, we talk about submission, and the majority of the time when we're talking about submission, we're talking more about agreeing than we are submission. People will say, I submit, until you don't agree, and then we don't submit anymore. That's not submission, that's agreeing. Submission is, I'm going to be under you even when I don't agree with you, even when I don't understand. I gotta figure it out and I gotta do that. Obviously, this Diotrephes, he wasn't going to submit to anybody and he wasn't gonna be in any, but in, under anybody and he had that position. You, you kinda know, you, those people show up once in a while, right? And they want that position, they want power. The interesting thing in the church over my years of ministry, over my years of, of serving in the church. Jesus said we're to serve one another. Even when his boys, listen, this isn't something just, just for him. Even when his boys, remember James, and, James and, and John? Remember what they asked? Hey, can one of us sit at your right? You know, we want the position of power, right? Hey, we all, we all kind of drawn that way. And Jesus goes, you two are out of your minds. That's my interpretation. So listen, we all kind of have that thing. And here's the thing, Jesus said, listen, you're not supposed to be somebody who lords it over, you're supposed to be somebody who serves. So true believers, those, those people who are walking in the spirit tend to be servants and they wanna serve. And as they serve, listen, they're, they're, they're trying to serve. People looking for position that are in the flesh try and gain power. And here's what's interesting in churches, especially churches that are more political, those who wanna serve become less and those who want power start gaining power and pretty soon the church is flip-flopped and people in the flesh are running the church. We have to be careful. And that's what's going on with this Diotrephes. He's a guy in the flesh and he wants that position. He's not gonna yield, so the first two things wrong with him is he's somebody, he's always looking for that preeminence, he's looking for a position. The second thing, he doesn't receive John or, or anybody in authority. And then look at verse 10, we're gonna learn some other things about him. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds. So number, number one here, John's threatening to show up. I kinda like that, I kinda like, he doesn't say you know when or doesn't give him a time, if I come. Well, that's kind of interesting, right? Is he coming or not? I don't know. He said he might. So if I come, he says, I'm going to expose his deeds. By the way, this is the apostle of love. Right? He's calling this guy out, isn't he? He says, listen, I'm going to expose his deeds. And he says, here's his deeds. Number one, prating against us with malicious words. Number two, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren Number three, or, or number, yeah, well, we got three, four, and then number five is he forbids those who wish to do so uh, by putting them out of church. So here's the thing, he wants a position of power, 
He refuses authority, and then he talks bad and gossips about the authority that's there. Always be careful when somebody gets you aside and they do this. When they do that, you need to go, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, right? We need to not listen to that stuff. Be careful of that because it happens. And they're gossiping and, and he's spreading malicious stuff about John and the others. And then, and then also, he's not accepting. Listen, John is sending people. People are coming to the church. He's not receiving them. Hey, we don't like you. You can't come in here. That's kind of weird. And then worse than that, if you associate with the people that are coming, Diotrephes puts you out of the church. He excommunicates you. This guy's a piece of work, isn't he? Like he's one of those guys, and you know what I tell people, if you get involved in a church and all of that stuff starts happening and starts, starts becoming very evident, the best thing you can do is tie your shoes really tight and run. Get out of there. Don't be part of that. Because listen, something is corrupt, something is going on. So hey, this is diatrophies, and now, so, so here's the thing. If it was happening in the first century, it's gonna be happening in the 21st century. Saints, we need to be careful, we need to be watching out. So this is this diatrophies guy. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I don't wanna be near this guy. I like Gaius, right? I like hanging out with him, but this diatrophies, he's not too cool. And then listen, he's putting people out of the church in verse 11 says, beloved, oh, now we're back, right? So we kinda went, we kinda, you know, we kinda walked through the mud a little bit, right? Got through the mud, we were like, this was nice. Five through eight, okay. Nine, you know, nine and 10, ooh, that's a little, that's a little murky. Now, now we're gonna go back, beloved, look in verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. Do you find that interesting? Do you find it interesting that God would tell us not to imitate that which is evil? You know what that tells me? That I am prone to imitate that which is evil. Amen. Otherwise, well, that was kind of loud. <laughs> Someone knows me well. So, anyway. so listen, listen, God would not tell us not to imitate that which is evil if we weren't prone to it. And if there's ever a time culturally, where we as believers or even as a church are prone to imitate that which is evil, I think it's right now. Man, there's humongous pressure coming upon us and we need to understand that and we need to beware and we need to make up our minds. I am not going to imitate that which is evil. I'm going to separate myself. I'm gonna distance myself. Even if the world thinks I'm weird, even if the world starts talking about me, even if the world pushes me away, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna be part of that. And, and listen, especially, I think especially in the church, I think especially in church leadership, we have to be careful. So he says, don't imitate, listen, do not imitate that which is evil, but what is good. Why don't we, why, why? Why aren't we drawn to imitate more things that are good? Why wouldn't we want to do that? Like right now we're reading about Gaius. I want to be like Gaius, right? 
I don't want to be like Diotrephes. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be like Gaius. And he says, so do that. Make, make that a thing in your heart. Why? He tells us this. Listen. He says, he who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Now listen, he's not talking about a physical manifestation of seeing God. He's talking about you have that relationship. Even in John, he says, listen, when we do the things of God, therefore we've seen God. And you and I, listen, if you're born again, you've seen God and that way you understand him. He's part of your life and he's coming in. So, hey, you gotta choose which direction you're gonna go. And I think it's important. Again, I think as believers, we have to do that. And I believe, again, in our culture, our generation, it's so easy to try and live in both worlds, have one foot in each world and do that. And you know what? You're gonna find out it's gonna get wider and wider and wider and pretty soon you're gonna be doing the splits and it's gonna hurt and you're gonna have a hard time. Get on one side or the other. And John's saying, do that, let's do that. Now, as he does this, listen, here's what's funny to me as he does this. So, so I'm kind of imagine, I'm, I, my imagination's crazy. So I'm looking at John, I'm thinking he's like hanging out, and he's writing this letter, right? And he starts out this letter to Gaius, and, and he's like writing him, and, and then as he's going down and he's thinking about Gaius, he goes, oh yeah, that Diotrephes. And he puts that little bit in there. You know, stay away from that guy, watch that guy. And he kind of calls out Diotrephes. And then he's like, hey, man, be careful who you imitate. And then he goes, oh, yeah, I know, Demetrius, right? So we get the third guy. Isn't it kind of funny how he, how he just does this? Listen, verse 12, Demetrius has a good testimony. So here's the, he's writing and he goes, oh, or maybe this. How about this? Maybe Demetrius is the one carrying the letter. And he's right in front of Gaius. And he's one who brought the letter to Gaius. And he goes, Demetrius, he goes, hey, Demetrius, he's got a good testimony. Wouldn't that just be enough to be said about you? If that was all that was said, I think of, you know, on, on, on headstones or whatever. Wouldn't that just be enough? Pat has a good testimony. Yes, yes. That's enough, isn't it? But listen what he says. Listen to what he says about his testimony, because this is good. He has a good testimony from all. Everybody who talks about Demetrius talks good about Demetrius. I think even, probably even Diotrephes. Yeah, Demetrius, he's a good guy. <clears throat> right? He has a good testimony from all, and then he says, listen, and from the truth itself, are you living in such a way that your life would be that the truth would testify that you're doing good? Yeah, even from the truth, and we also bear witness, and you know our testimony is true. Man, this guy's got like threefold testimony, right? All, the truth, and even us, even us. I don't know who John's including in that, but even us. So you have, you have a long stuff about Gaius, we kind of get to know him, we don't really care for Diotrephes, what we find out about him. And then Demetrius, we just get like a little bit, right? A little glimpse into his life. Good guy. So we need to decide which, which way are we going to go. Are we going to be Agaius? Going to be Demetrius? Or are we going to be a Diotrephes? We got to choose as we're making, and as we're walking through life, we got to make those choices. And that's John, I, listen, I think that's why John, I think that's why this letter's here. So we can look at our lives and we can reflect on these guys and then we can look at our own lives and say, where am I in my life? 
And I believe if we're gut check honest, we're a little bit of all three. That's kind of a mixture in our life. Hopefully, hopefully Diotrephes is like way down there and we're squishing him down and you know that flesh comes up and we push him down. But if we're really honest, we know that we have a battle and we have to fight and we have to choose and make right choices. So now he lays that out. Now, as he wraps this up, again, John wraps it up kind of like 2 John. In verse 13, he said, I had many things to write. So John wanted to write, I think, a much longer letter. He says, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. He's kind of back to that same thing, right? So he said in 2 John. And I think most of us understand that, right? When you write stuff, sometimes it gets misinterpreted and then you got to explain it and then you got to do it when you're face to face you can see facial expressions body language easier to express things right so he says hey i just want to i want to be face to face and again it's important i think again we were created as social beings we're created to interact with one another that's how god made us and it's an important thing we do that and we do, and and we keep doing that and then he says this so he says listen man i want to be with you face to face and i hope to see you shortly so again that's twice he's brought up i'm i'm thinking john's going to show up i don't think gaius knows when but he's got to have that room ready right kind of like another person jesus is going to show up i don't know when but he's going to show up and we're supposed to be ready, right? We're supposed to be looking for him. And I'm more sure of Jesus showing up than I am John showing up with Gaius, right? I'm sure Jesus is coming. So listen, and then he says this. He says, peace to you, which is kind of a common thing, although it might be a little bit more because he's thinking about, you know, hey, obviously in this church, there's a little bit of controversy going on, right? There's some stuff happening. And he's hoping that gets settled and that gets taken care of. So peace to you. And then he says, this is, this is strange to me. Listen to how he wraps this up. Our friends greet you. Does that shock you? It's a little strange. What do most of the what do most of the what do the most of the New Testament writers say? The brethren or the church. John says our friends. It's like, dude, that's weird. Like, why do you, why do you say our friends? I don't have a good answer. Some of you are looking like, tell us, Pat. I just find that, I find that odd, although shouldn't the people that you're, that are your brethren or sistren, shouldn't they be your friends? And I kind of like that he makes it, I, I think he makes it a little bit more personal. I think when, when somebody comes up and, you know, oftentimes people forget your name and they'll call you brother or sister because they don't know your name and it's an easy way not to be embarrassed and they go, hey bro, how are you? So, but when someone calls you a friend, it's just a little bit, to me, it's just a little bit closer, right? I might be a brother, but you call me friend. I like that. And then, listen, not only that, he says, listen, our friends greet you, and then he says, greet the friends. Again, that same, that same concept. It's a little bit different. And I, I, I love when scripture does that, when it's not just some, you know, boilerplate way to put it our friends greet you and then he says greet the friends and notice what he says he says greet the friends by name john says i know them 
Greet them by name for me. He doesn't list their names, but he's letting Gaius know, greet them by name because they're my friends. They're not just brothers. They're not just sisters. They're not just that, you know, that church ease way to say it. They're my friends. So what do we learn from 3 John? I think we learn this. Number one, we kind of need to be people who are hospitable, right? Open yourself up a little bit. What if somebody takes advantage of you? Oh, what a horrible thing you've been taken advantage of. That's terrible. That was sarcasm. (laughs) Open yourself up a little bit. See what happens. I mean, the worst that's gonna happen is someone's gonna take advantage of you. It's gonna be okay. But do you know that every single one of us is responsible for getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out into the world. It's our responsibility. God has called us to do that. We need to be part of it. Some of us are goers. Some of us are mouthpieces. Some of us are prayers. Some of us are givers. Some of us are taking taking carers. You getting my point? Hey, we're all involved in this, and God has given us all different things. And kind of sadly, sometimes we judge one another. Well, you're not doing this. We don't, I don't know what everybody's doing. Here's what I know. I'm gonna do what God's called me to do. And I want you to do what God's called you. It's not up to me. Listen, it is kind of up to me to motivate you because that's part of my position. But it's not up to me to come and be the Holy Spirit and examine. So what have you done for the Lord right now? That's between you and God, but we're all part of this. Let's get the gospel out into the world. That's why we're here. That's why we got left. And let's be busy about that. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God. Just this short little letter that is really an exhortation for every single one of us to to be involved in what you're doing. And we look at a guy who's heavily involved Although, doesn't seem like he had, quote, a position. Doesn't seem like, like he was, you know, quote, a mover or a shaker. He's just a guy doing what he does naturally. He just wants to serve you. And Lord, I pray, I pray that Gaius would be an inspiration for us, a, a, a thing that would, would click in our hearts, and we would decide, yes, that's what I want to do. And we would go forward. And we would be spoken of as people who don't just believe the truth, but we live the truth in this world. Be glorified in our lives and be exalted in our lives. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just a couple more moments. And if you are here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive your sins and to guide you and direct you. Today is a day of salvation. You have an opportunity right now as as we're standing here to give your life to Jesus, to ask him to forgive your sins. And you just do that through what, through normally what we would say talking to him, we can call it prayer. You call on his name. The Bible says if you call on his name, you will be saved. And by that, here's what you need to do. It's pretty simple. You have to come to the place where you're willing to admit you're a sinner. I think that's the hard part. I think all of us know we've sinned, but we don't want to call ourselves a sinner. We don't want to admit that. You have to admit you're a sinner, and greater than that, 
you have to realize you've offended a holy God and you're sorry. You're sorry that you've offended him and you've sinned against him. Then you need to realize that because you've done that, what you deserve, what you've earned by doing that is the wrath of God. That's all bad news. The Bible says if we've sinned, listen, we deserve the eternal wrath of God. That's, that's not pleasant to think about. The good news is Jesus Christ came, went to the cross, and paid the penalty. He suffered the wrath that you deserve, that I deserve, and he took that upon himself. And now here today, almost 2,000 years later, he offers you the ability to let your debt be paid in full. He says, I took care of that for you. I paid that. All you have to do right now is believe him and trust him. Put your faith in what he has said, and the Bible says you will be born again. So to do that, you need to talk to him. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, and some people say, are you gonna put words in my mouth? Yeah, kinda. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently, but you gotta be sincere. Hey, if you're backslidden and you've walked away from God and you're here today, it's time to front slide. Come back to Jesus. His arms are open wide. Come home. Come back. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right where you're at. You don't have to be in this building, but you need to be sincere. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.